Hello everyone, you're listening to the Laura Hill podcast. I'm Laura Hill and you are in for a little solo episode with me today. Today I wanted to talk to you about my journey in hairdressing. I've done four interviews on this podcast now with amazing guests and the first thing I always ask them is about their journey and I'll tell you why. I asked them about their journey because I really believe that the things that happen to you really make you the person you are. So it's almost a bit like like a bit of marble. Imagine a big piece of raw marble and life is like the sculpture chipping away at it. And then what you end up with at the end, whatever kind of sculpture you end up with at the end, that's life has chipped away at you and then you're the end product of that. That's what I think. So I want to take you through my journey so you can understand me better and get to know me a bit better and understand why I did this podcast, okay? So one thing you really need to know about me is I believe in mentors. I really believe in mentors. I think if you want to get anywhere in life, you have to find someone who's done the thing you want to do. And there's always going to be someone who's done the thing you want to do or something similar, okay? And the reason you want a mentor is because they've spent how many years learning how to do the thing you want to do and they've made loads and loads of mistakes on the way. So if you can get inside their head and get them to teach you what they've learned, you then get all the information they've learned over, say, 20 years into a much shorter period of time. So the return on investment, say you had to work with someone for free for a year, but then they gave you all their secrets and taught you everything they know in that year, you've managed to compress 20 years of their experience and their knowledge into one year. So it's the most incredible thing. I just think it blows my mind. It's just so cool. There's always somebody who's done what you want to do. And there's also always somebody behind you who wants to be where you are. So as well as finding a mentor, I'd really like to give you the idea to maybe become one as well and look at the people around you and see who maybe you could mentor. So the reason I wanted to do this podcast is because I have been working in this industry for 20 years and I've made loads and loads of friends who I really admire and who I think are so incredible. So I want to learn from them because I want to get all that good, juicy information that they've learned over the years. And then I also want to share it with you guys because I think it's going to be really helpful for you. So wherever you are on your journey at the moment, that person that I'm talking to that is now an educator or a pricing guru or a mindset guru or whatever they are, there'll be someone on this podcast that you can learn from their journey and you can learn from the lessons they've learned. So with that in mind, 
I'll share my journey with you so you know where I'm at and what I've got to offer you. So I started in the industry 20 years ago. And one of the things I've learned, and I'm not sure when I learned it, to be honest with you, but I feel like it's maybe a bit of a core value, is I always ask myself, what do I want? And what am I willing to give? Because I don't believe anything in this life is free. And I do believe the harder you work, the more you get back, or the more you give, the more you get back. So when I started my journey in hairdressing and became an apprentice, I mean, it was pretty clear what I had to give back, right? We all know that it's very long hours, it's really hard work, and it's for very little pay. So I knew what I had to give up, what I had to give and what I had to give up, because I had to give up all the nice things, <laughs> like having a mobile phone because I couldn't afford the contract, um, living in a nice place. I had to live somewhere really cheap with lots of other people so that I could afford to live near the salon I wanted to work in. But I went and worked in the best salon I could find in Bristol, which is where I'm from. I would love to tell you that I was brave enough to go and work in London for someone really amazing like Vinal Sassoon, but I was too scared to go and live in London. So I found the most amazing person I could in Bristol, and it was a guy called David Sinclair, and he was the most awesome precision cutting specialist you would have ever met in Bristol. He was so good. So I went and worked for him. And there's a few really cool things he taught me on my training. Obviously, he taught me how to be really good at cutting hair. But he had this attitude to work where it really didn't matter what was going on in your life. You did not bring it into the salon. And it was almost like when you walked through the door of, your, of the salon, there was like some kind of force field that your problems weren't allowed to enter. That was kind of how I imagined it in my mind. That was my like visualization that when I walked in, like all my problems had to stay outside and wait at this force field for me to walk out the door and pick them up again. And although that sounds really weird, it was something he instilled in us. So he didn't like us moaning and bitching in the staff room. He didn't like us complaining about stuff. And it was because he wanted to create the best salon experience for his clients possible. And at the time, I probably didn't appreciate it. But the more time I've spent in this industry and the more time I've spent with clients and students, the more I realise that this lesson is so important. Because if you are having a really, really bad day, yes, you can fake it but you're not really being your best self and you're not really giving the most to the person you're either cutting their hair or teaching, right? Because you're constantly trying to just cover up how awful you're feeling. And I know it's really easy for me to say, oh, that's, you know, oh, well done, Laura, you can leave your, pro you can forget about your problems. But it is actually something that I trained myself to do. And it's something that my boss trained us to do. So 
the best way to do it really if, if this is something you want to adopt yourself is to be in the moment to really focus on what you're doing in that exact moment so if you're a trainee and you're sweeping the floor and you're making tea you may think that's really really hard but it is about mindfulness and it is about doing the like 110% the best job you absolutely can. If I'm making a cup of tea, I'm making you the best cup of tea exactly how you like it. If I'm sweeping the floor, I'm making sure I'm sweeping all the hair up and I'm doing the best possible job and I'm proud of the way I've left the floor looking. And when I'm doing a haircut, how that looks is when I'm in the moment with my client in that exact moment, I'm really listening to what they're saying. And I'm really enjoying being with them. And I'm really taking care of every single section that I do, whether I'm cutting it or colouring it. Every section is so important. And I'm doing the absolute best. And I'm giving that client the best version of myself possible. And it's so rewarding. I can't tell you. Because when I have done hair, when I've been tired, when I've been hungover, when I've had so much on my mind that I just can't get it off my mind, because, you know, let's be honest, I'm not perfect, nobody is, I'm human, there are going to be days where, I don't know, something really bad is happening in my life and it's really hard to block it out. When I've been in that mindset when I've been doing a client, those are always the times when after the client leaves, I think, oh, that didn't look exactly how I wanted it to. Or I don't know, I just feel like I could have done better with that client. And I just think it's not even that maybe I didn't do a good job of that client. That client may not have been able to tell the difference between that appointment and the appointment before, and they may love their hair just as much. But the self-doubt creeps in in me if I haven't been the best version of myself when I've been doing the hair. So it's something to really think about. And that was a really, really big lesson in customer experience. And I'm so grateful that I worked for David because I think whether he meant to or not, I don't know if he knew he was having that big an effect on me, but he really, really did. So it was awesome. So the next place I worked was a big franchise. I went and worked for Saks and I loved it. And when I say, I always ask my, like myself the question, what do I want and what am I willing to give? Yes, the hours were quite long when I worked for Saks, but honestly, I didn't actually feel like I gave that much. I felt like it was quite an unfair balance because they gave me so much. Like the huge benefit of working for a big franchise is you have access to their training academy. So I did so much training with Saks. And that was when I started to really think about colour, because Saks were a big L'Oreal account. So they got a lot of access to L'Oreal training. So I ended up doing all the Saks cutting courses, all the Saks colour courses. I also went on all the L'Oreal colour courses and ended up being a L'Oreal colour specialist and getting a colour specialist degree, which was amazing. Honestly, I felt 
like when I finished that colour specialist course, which was, I can't remember, 12 or 14 weeks of going to London every week and doing these really intensive lessons and then spending the whole week revising and studying and then the next week going back and doing an exam on what you'd learned and then learning another load of stuff. I did feel like, God, how did I have a colour hair before? <laughs> it, it was a real eye-opener. I can definitely recommend those colour specialist degrees with whoever your training provider is. They're expensive, but I was lucky that I was with a big franchise, so they covered all the cost. And because I was at L'Oreal so much, and because my bosses were paying to send me on all these courses, so it wasn't just the colour courses, they sent me on cutting courses at L'Oreal, they sent me on these like inspirational days, because I was there all the time, the people that work at L'Oreal, the educators, do get to know you. And I think this is a really important thing to say, is if you want to work with a brand, they have to know who you are. So whether that is going on all their courses or tagging them loads on social media or just being in conversation with them somehow, maybe on their social media or however it is, they have to get to know you and they have to get to know who you are and what your values are because then you stand out to them. So while I was at Saks, the L'Oreal rep suggested to me that I audition for the L'Oreal ID artist which was a two-year programme where you became a member of their art team. And what they did was they had you up to the big academy a few times a year and you learnt from the biggest names you can imagine. Like the people that were at the academy were proper heavyweights. So like Trevor Sorbet was there, the Rush Academy was there. Simon Shaw was there. Oh my gosh, so Adam Reed was there. There were so many amazing people. And they taught us really amazing techniques. And then in return, we went on these UK tours for L'Oreal and say you'd have this room with a stage and a hundred hairdressers sat down watching you. And you did like this look and learn of the techniques we'd learned at the L'Oreal Academy. And it was obviously to sell new products or sell colour lines. But it was amazing. It was so good. And it was the best education. And it was the kind of education that you only get when you're involved in these sorts of creative teams. It was just amazing. Um, and that was, to get on that, that was an audition process. And luckily... Because I had spent so much time at L'Oreal, I knew two of the judges in the first round. So I think that's a really important point because I don't necessarily think it's 100% who you know in life, but I do think it's very helpful. So I, to put it into perspective, there were all these incredible London hairdressers there that worked for these amazing salons. And one of the people that was there was Sophia Hilton, who is my boss now. We were on this team together. 
there were these really, really amazing people. And it was just like little old me from Bristol. And I didn't think I had a hope in hell, but I did it anyway. And I went through the audition process, looking around the room thinking, why am I even doing this? But I still did it. And I got through. And I became a L'Oreal ID artist. And it was the most amazing two years. I can't tell you, it was so good and so much fun. And I learned loads and it really advanced my skills and my hairdressing. And it just like set me on fire, gave me so much love for being creative in this industry, I can't tell you. Um, and that was all because of the training that I'd received through this franchise and getting to know people at L'Oreal. Also, there's another good lesson there, right? If you want to do something and you're scared to do it, I do believe the only way you can guarantee that you're going to fail is if you don't do it at all. At least if you do it, there's a small chance you'll succeed. And I think that's how I felt walking into those auditions, that I was the underdog and I would be lucky, really lucky if I got a place. And I did. So I think that's something to think about if there's some burning desire in you that you want to do something and you think, oh God, how am I ever going to do this? I don't know how I'm going to do it. And I'm scared to even try because I feel like I'm going to fail. Just do it. Just do it. But like, what have you got to lose? You're not going to burst into flames. Like, it's going to be fine. Just go and try. So after that, the next kind of big thing that happened in my life was I ended up buying a salon. So I bought an existing salon that already had a team and already had clients. It was already established. So it was, I didn't start from scratch. It was already a good, you know, a reasonable business. Um, and the owners wanted to get rid of it because they, you know, were struggling being owners of a salon. And it was amazing. However, after about six years, I realised it really wasn't for me. And there's this lesson here that I love, which is something I read in The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, which is a book. And I was actually reading this book while I had the salon. So after, um, I don't know, five years of having the salon, we decided to get a business coach. And this guy was amazing. He was with a company called, I can't remember what they were called. Maybe I'll think of it in a minute. Action Coach. They were called Action Coach, right? I think they're all over the country. He was this amazing business coach. And he'd been recommended to me by four or five clients. And these were highly successful clients. Like one of them was a financial advisor with this massive franchise of other financial advisors. They just, these people were people I respected so much. And they all told me one by one about this business coach. So we went and we had these coaching sessions with him. And it was once a month. And what he would do is he would tell us to buy a book a month and read this book on business or personal development, because he wanted us to learn the lessons in it. So I was reading this book, called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. 
And there was this one sentence in there that said, so many people are so busy climbing the ladder to success that they don't realise they've lent it against the wrong wall. And when I read that, I just thought, oh no, I am not meant to own a salon. I had been so miserable owning this salon. It just wasn't what I wanted to do. And I think that period of my life before when I was working for Saks and I was an ID artist, I there was a real fire in me and I loved going into work every day and I loved my job and it didn't even feel like work. And for the five years up until that point of owning that salon, I had not felt like that. I'd had a sense of dread almost every day. I'd been stressed. I'd been like I'd lost all my friends because I was working so hard and I never had any time to see them. Like my marriage nearly broke down. I had two small children and they just weren't getting any of me. And it was such a hard period in my life. And I think the difference between, for me, between owning a salon and before when I worked for the franchise wasn't the the it wasn't the amount of work obviously the type of work was different but it wasn't the amount of work the work I was doing at the salon wasn't any harder than the work I was doing at the franchise but I loved the work I was doing when I was at Saks and a L'Oreal ID artist I didn't love the work I was doing at the salon so it made every day feel like the longest, hardest day of my life. So that's something to think about, right? We all think, I thought, that owning a salon was the natural progression of a successful hairdresser. But it's not. And I learned that the hard way. So that kind of brings us up to where I am right now in my life. So after I left the salon, I went self-employed. I did rent a chair for a while in another salon, but it just wasn't, that wasn't right for me either. I think be, I think renting a chair in a salon is amazing if you can commit to that salon, because obviously they want their rent, right? You can't say, oh, I'm only going to work a couple of days a week, because that's not fair on them. They could rent their chair out to someone else. And that was where I was at. Like, I did not want to give them 100% of me. I had other stuff I wanted to do. So I think that's probably why it didn't work out with them. They were nice people. But I, at that point, had got in touch with Sophia. And since being on L'Oreal ID Artists together, oh my gosh, maybe 10 years before, we had liked each other's posts on Facebook a few times. But other than that, we hadn't really, like, been in touch that much but I reached out to her and asked her if I could assist at the academy so I probably should tell you as well actually before that before I asked her if I could assist I had been on every single not another academy course I loved them I love I still love them oh my gosh I am their biggest fan but I'd been on every course some of them I've been on twice. I've been on courses at that academy that don't even exist anymore. Like I was a huge fan. I was a super fan. So they knew me. So this is similar again to what I was saying with L'Oreal. When I'd gone to the academy, 
Sophia had remembered me from ID artists and we got chatting and then she repeatedly saw me on the courses and we got to know each other and she got to knew, know who I was. So when I went self-employed, I reached out to her and said, like, have, do you have any assistant places? I am willing to come and work for free. I'll work whenever you want me to. I just need enough notice to work around my clients. I want to be in this academy and I will give everything I can to come and work for you. And she said, yes. So I worked as an assistant at the academy for three months. And then interestingly, at the end of the three months, because it was only ever meant to be a three month assisting job. At the end of the three months, I said to the academy manager who wasn't who wasn't Sophia, it was, she had a manager. I said, oh, I've come to the end of my three months and I really want to keep working here. Is there any way I could get some more, you know, opportunities to be helpful and work here? And they said, no. They said, we've got someone else who wants to do your job. We've promised them that they can do this. So unfortunately, your three months is up and that's that. Which was devastating. It was so upsetting, but I stayed positive and I just made sure I stayed in touch and I kept offering. So I obviously had this manager's number because I'd been working there. So I sent the occasional message saying, oh, I see you have this event coming up. If you'd like an extra pair of hands, I'll come and help for free. I didn't want paying for it. Or I'd say, do you know, if anyone calls in sick or doesn't want to work a bank holiday or doesn't want to work over Easter or anything like that, I'm your girl, I'll come in and I'll do it. And eventually, after being the person that they called when someone was sick or when someone was on holiday or they didn't want to work, eventually I was there regularly enough that I became part of the furniture, basically. <laughs> and eventually Sophia offered to give me a job and train me up as an educator so that I could work in the academy and teach in the academy. And I think a few things to add to that was, again, my belief that you don't bring your problems into work. Like when I was in that academy, I was the most helpful, most positive, best person you could have ever wanted to work with. Like I was a dream to work with because I wanted them to want me back. I wanted them to think, oh, it's just not the same without Laura. Or, oh, I really, I just want Laura to be here and help. Like that's how I wanted them to feel about me. And it obviously paid off in the end. So now I work at Not Another Academy as a lead educator. Sophia, was amazing and trained me up personally like she gave us so much time this is one of the amazing things about these mentors that if you get their time because they don't have very much of it like you're so lucky to get it and the value that they give you is in, is amazing i learned so much from her she was she was so good so i would definitely advise anybody who's looking to get into education to find your own sophia and reach out to them. And rather than asking them what they can give you, tell them what you can give them. And it may be that you have to work for free. 
I was actually lucky enough that after I offered to work for free, Sophia offered to pay me. So like that was, I was so lucky. But I think you have to put it out there of what you're willing to give to get that amazing teaching and that amazing education from people. So that's something to think about. So that kind of brings me up to where I am now. And I don't want these episodes to be mega long. So I'm going to leave it here. I feel like that was some good stuff in there. Definitely drop me a message. Leave me feedback. Let me know if there's anything in there that you want me to talk about more. What you liked, what you didn't like. I obviously want to tell you guys this stuff so that it's helpful to you. And it's something that maybe you can then take action on. Hopefully you've heard something in this that you think, oh, actually, I am going to reach out to someone. Or maybe I will look at working for a franchise and seeing what they've got to offer me. Or I don't know, whatever it is. I hope this has been mega, mega helpful. Thank you so much for listening, guys. I've had the best time talking to you. This is so much fun and I cannot wait to do the next one. So keep tuning in and definitely subscribe because I don't want you to miss a single episode because I feel like they're all going to be really good. Thank you so much. Speak to you soon. Bye.